Hello and welcome to the AV Forums podcast for Monday the 3rd of October. This may be episode 153, but it's actually podcast 400. And joining me on this edition are assistant editor Steve Withers. Everyone knows that complicated is a code word for bitch. Audio reviewer Ed Selly. Want to test your marriage for weak spots? Add one recession, subtract two jobs. It's surprisingly effective. And World Cup winner Mark Botwright. I didn't touch you. All, always the best. Uh, right, so let, let's explain the 400 podcast. Uh, this is the four, 400th podcast that AV Forums has done since 2006. It's episode 153 of the weekly podcast. Uh, so we started them back in 2006. Uh, they were not on a regular uh, basis. They did start off that way and then it got pretty irregular. And then we split them into, Mr. Botwright, you'll have to keep me right here because I think you're the longest server member on this team when it comes to the podcast. So we then split them into movies home cinema and games is that correct yes yeah we did. Um, and they were on a sem- semi-permanent basis i think it was monthly um uh, before we went to weekly back in steve oh that was about two years ago isn't it july is it we like to keep people on their toes put it that way <laughs> no we did we, we do did we do the 100th episode quite recently so that would have been about two years well ago, we, well we? we did the 150th two podcasts back all right so i thought i could have sworn we started <laughs> two in podcasts the summer back in- <laughs> Uh, we'd, I mean, two uh, weeks ago, <laughs> we'd, we did we did them in June, so so uh, 150 from one so June three to years that. then, so three years, yeah, 2013. So I think yeah, it was around about yeah June. Yeah. June. We we have been inflicting this on people for three years. We used to do them in the evenings though, when I could be better lubricated. <laughs> I mean, it's just just there are more social issues with me sat here at what is 11 minutes past 10 on a Friday morning, going mm, time for a brew. <laughs> Although that said, I haven't had a drink in over a week now. So that's a bit to it. Well, Try. as I say, over, over a week—that's some of the best I've done since I was, I don't know, seventeen. So and, and this will be because it's coming up to the end of the month, and you need to get some work done. That's why. No, 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 no. This is because, as I say, I had an attack of gout, and I would—I'm <laughs> quite content, quite content to lay off the sauce if it means I don't get that again. Yeah, I thought so. I was the one who lived in the 1850s. Well, it would appear that I've caught Withers' disease, yes. So, uh, <laughs> well, at least at least you know Sam Allardyce. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> well, that said, did you see in the video? It looks like he was drinking a pint of wine, so he does look like he might be at risk of a spot of gout. Although some people are hypothesising it might be gravy. <laughs> well, he is from the north, eh? Yeah, boom, boom. At least he's got a hundred percent win record, though. He's the only England manager that can say that. This is true. Yeah. Yeah, yes. probably be the only one that ever can, I should imagine. <laughs> Unless the, someone else gets sacked spectacularly early. Did anyone else ever see it turning out any other way? I actually oh, actually I thought he I thought he was gonna be quite good because I think he gen he genuinely wanted that job. It was something that he really, really wanted, which makes it even more the more baffling that someone who's on a contract to get six million a year risked it all for four hundred thousand pounds. And I mean that either says that the guy is up to his absolute eyeballs in debt and needs to bring in money on, on a large scale like that, or it's pure greed and it, he deserves everything that he gets. The least fair. shocking news in the world, I'm afraid. But it has sort of, it's sort of tripped over now into pure farce, isn't it? I mean, it's difficult now to distinguish the real world from Mike Bassett, England manager. It's become, you know, that that seems quite sensible now compared to what's actually happening. <laughs> It's beyond it, it's parody right. at this point. Yeah, yeah, we've gone well beyond parody now. I mean, we are an, an international joke. Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. The English are an absolute joke. Let's get this straight. We've got nothing to do with it. You were born in England. <laughs> we jumped the shark. Sorry, but we jumped the shark with the Harry Redknapp case, uh, an account named after a dead dog, and uh, an excuse that I can barely write. <laughs> it, it's just I, anything after that i'm sorry seems quite sensible it's as it, it it all it all sort of fits in nicely really it, it's just i i don't i don't i think it's been so long now since we had an england manager that just wasn't constantly teetering on the edge of just utter collapse either through being totally inept on the field or you know uh, slandering the disabled, or in other words, just being weird. Um, I, I, it just seems par for the course these days. I mean, people are talking about, you know, trying to tempt Arsene Wenger away. He's far too normal. That's not going to work. 
you know, uh, we should be, should be, I, mean, I don't know, surely it's time for Tony Pullis. He looks like he's got a few, few skeletons, perhaps literally in his closet. So, you know, uh, he, he would be my tip for it, but we'll see how we go. I've got my money on Tim Sherwood. <laughs> oh, I want to see I'd some body warmers thrown. I, I was about to say who, but who? No one wants the job today. I mean, Tactics they? Tim. <laughs> He was, um, well, he's a f- former professional footballer, as so many of these people are. He had a, a middlingly unsuccessful spell at uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, then he went to to um, you know participate in the ongoing car crash that is Aston Villa. I don't, he hasn't done anything since then, has he? No, well, you know, where do you go from there? Well, this, he's this the manager, true. obviously. <laughs> well, yes. I, I think uh, I think you're perfect for the role, Ed. I'd love to have a go. Look, can we can we be very clear about this? I would be I would be fantastic. Do basically select all positions by polls on Twitter because obviously twi- <laughs> everyone on Twitter apparently knows everything there is to know about football. That seems to be the the well well the, why yeah, well but that's it. Why have an England manager just go to Twitter and get Twitter to pick the team ahead of, ahead of the time and uh, that's it. Yeah. And actually, you could then spread the six million pound salary and enter the polls, get paid a pound. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And and actually, there wouldn't be any net net loss to the FA. Brilliant. <laughs> you could just see it now, though. The Germans and everybody else getting together and and picking the absolute rubbish players. I don't think oh, they well, have the to, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said that, Mark, not me. Rooney will play into these eighty. Right. Okay. We've exhausted what I know about football. <laughs> I, I've, I've got to say, I was really surprised with that, Ed. How far you managed to get along there. I know Mr. Buttwright's the, the dark horse here. He knows a bit more than he's letting on. Yeah, come to me on anything on football. I watched every episode of Jossie's Giants, so I know it's about it. Anyway, um, let's move on swiftly and let's go to competition, Steve. Yeah, right. We've got uh, some new competitions you'll be glad to hear. Um, we've got a pair of tickets to see Ed Harris on stage uh, in the West End in Sam, she- Sam Shepard's play, Berry Child, also starring Amy Madigan, who was in Streets of Fire, and Jeremy Irvine, who's a young and up-and-coming British actor who played the younger version of Colin Firth in The Railway Man. Um, that looks great. I mean, Ed Harris, awesome actor. I would love to see him on stage. Unfortunately, I can't enter the competition because I am, um, well, I work for AV Forums. So uh, a pair of but, tickets but for that. But if you have a look, someone called Weave Stithers has entered <laughs> the competition in the background. So uh, be careful. So obviously Ed Harris is going to be starring in Westworld, which, which, which starts today, the day this podcast goes up, I believe. Um, no, it's the day after. It's is it Tuesday? Oh, sorry, it's tomorrow then. Um yeah, he's in Westworld playing the gunslinger, uh, and obviously he's on stage. Uh, this is in November, the play starts. But uh, obviously you enter the competition, if you win, you'll get a choice of which day you want to go to see the play, assuming tickets are available for that day. And um, need, obviously, need to say, if you don't live in London, you're going to have to make your own way to the West End, so bear that in mind um, if you do win. But uh, great prize. I'd love to see Ed Harris on stage. I think that'd be really exciting and special. We've also got three copies of The, what, the Lion in Winter on Blu-ray. Um that's open to all members. Both these competitions end, by the way, on 27th of October. And they're all open to all members. And uh, Lion Winter is a fantastic film. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It stars Peter O'Toole, Catherine Hepburn, who won an Oscar for the performance in it. Uh, and also it's the film debuts of Anthony Hopkins, who's also in Westworld on Tuesday, and um, Timothy Dalton. So uh, a great, great film. We highly recommend it. Worth checking out. If you have not seen it, definitely enter the competition. Three copies of that to go. Is that right? Did Anthony Hopkins and... Uh, Timothy Dalton debut on screen at the same time. Yeah, in the same. Yep. Yeah. Despite the not inconsequential disparity in age between the two. Uh, yeah. Well, one was yes. One was very young, making his debut. Anthony Hopkins is one of those actors, I think, who you know, who did a lot of TV or, or theatre, a lot of theatre work before he managed to break into movies. It does happen, doesn't it? Where actors, yeah, 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 don't yeah, get to see in films until they're quite old. Yeah. Sydney Green Street, I think, made his debut in his sixties. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. uh, and as far as previous competitions go, um, two of them actually end today as we're recording this podcast. We don't know the winners yet, so we'll tell you next week. Uh, but one competition has ended already, and we know the winner in its road to perdition on Blu-ray, and that's been won by Rhino 2K, uh, a name I recognise, and congratulations to you. Rhino 2K. Been around a while. And well done on the competition win. Right, let's move on. Hardware news. And um, the one person we need to be here on the podcast <laughs> to discuss this one... <laughs> 
is not here, but I think it's pretty easy. Um, basically, any box that runs Kodi, so any media box, whether that's an Android, Windows, or or whatever, um, even browsers that can run Kodi, um, you they can also run third-party apps, and some third-party apps out there um, have content on them that is illegal, i.e., uh, streaming of live TV, uh, Sky. Um, Sky movies, sports, all that kind of thing, as well as um, box office movies and and so on. Lots and lots of stuff, football, Premiership football, all that kind of thing. Are you doing an advert for them here? Uh, no, the BBC. You get anything on them? No, the B- the BBC did the best advert for them because I don't think the vast majority of the public knew anything about these Cody boxes, and now everybody does. Because yeah. <laughs> the other guys the version of skyrocketed. Like, yeah, the version so, they all. So um, anyway, you can get get them with these add-ons. Um, it's completely legal to buy these boxes without the add-ons there. Um, one guy in Middlesbrough, for whatever reason, uh, decided that he was going to sell them and promote them as fully loaded, i.e. they come with all the third-party things on them so you can get all the pirated content, and he was selling them in that context. And he was warned about it, and... Um, he didn't, didn't heed do his, anything. Didn't heed his warning. He's now going to court over it, uh, county court over it. So that's... Um, going to be an interesting case because a lot of people are saying, well, it's going to, uh, you know, it could impact on all the Cody boxes and all the rest. Of it. That's absolute rubbish. Um, you can run Cody on anything. It's nothing to do with Cody. Um, Cody is standalone software. It's the third-party apps. But unfortunately for Cody, um, it's a nice name that the press have stuck in there, and and the press are now running it, running it as Cody boxes, and that's not the case. No, it's not the case at all. Uh, and more to the point. What he was selling were boxes with preloaded software, specifically designed apps, specifically designed to uh, to access this um, content illegally. Um, if he'd sold the boxes just as um, bare bones, you know, Cody platform, and people added that stuff on themselves later, then he'd have been fine. But um, and I, I totally agree. I mean, I I don't like people circumventing um, copyright and um, people's you know um, legal ownership of things. Uh, I don't like uh, piracy at all, and um, you know, so I completely agree with that. Obviously, what people do once they've got the box on their own time, you know, if they've got the skill set to do that, that's entirely up to them yep. and their own consciences. But uh, my, my personal opinion is, that people shouldn't do it. And what he was done for was was basically making it easier for people to access content illegally, and that seems fair enough. Yeah, I mean, the thing was, he was warned about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stop selling them like that because that's illegal. You can't do that. And he just continues on because he thinks he knows better, and I think he's going to get quite a shock actually when it goes to court. Because, um, like you see, I mean, the, the box, the Cody box without the third party software on it or the third party apps, uh, completely legal, isn't it, Mark? Yeah. Were you speaking to Hodge in there? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, there's only, there's, there's only one Mark here this week. I'm putting you on no, the spot. Yeah, no, of course it's completely legal. And, and we've faced, I mean, it's it's interesting to me simply because it's, it's basically um, mirroring what's been going on with things like emulators for um, uh, video games for years. Um, in just a recent case, in fact, there was a um, an N64 and I think there was a NES emulator on the Xbox One. It's since been taken down, but on the official store. And the idea is is that as long as you're putting up the means to access this kind of thing, it, it's the content itself which is copy protected. That's the thing that, you know, there are so many different emulators, so many different things that offer you the means to do more. And it's your choice as to whether you use it for, you know, with regards to video games, homebrew or that kind of thing, or whether you're pirating or with Kodi, whether you're using it just to access your own media files or whether you're using it for, you know, should we say more nefarious means. Um, it, it's down to the individual user. It's really just kind of a, a powerful system just to offer you the most options possible. And it's a bit, it, it's not to be confused as well with the VPN thing that was going on for a while. Uh, where there was a lot of uh, IP clones and IP hide and things like that. What was the other one? Um, US uh, and Block yeah, Us. And Block Us. Yeah. Things like that. That was to get other regions of Netflix, but you actually had to pay a subscription. So yeah, you Net- were a Netflix, Netflix was still getting their money. So it wasn't a really the same thing, was it? I think the funniest thing of this whole story were well, two things. One, when I scanned the original news story, I saw. Mac, uh, Middlesbrough, but in my mind, I kind of almost read it as Macclesfield and thought, oh, Hodge, what have you done? <laughs> and then when he did the actual news story, he did a photograph of all the media boxes he's got. He's got a lot, <laughs> hasn't he? <laughs> About 
20 of them lined up. Well, you, you need all those so you can compare them with new ones that come out. I mean, that's that's his excuse, isn't it? Yeah, no, yeah, but it was really funny. Uh, the, the other offshoot of this one, not actually related um, completely, but the BBC iPlayer is now going to be a closed system as of uh, 2017, and you're going to need an account to access iPlayer going forward. Um seems that the, the, the loopholes that did exist there with uh, people all over the world able to access iPlayer and watch content free of charge and all the rest, that's now a thing of the past. Um, some will see it as good, some will see it as Big Brother. No, I think well, it's inevitable, isn't it? Yeah, I, I would say that exactly that. Uh, ultimately, the BBC has had difficulty getting people in the country where the licence fee is paid to consider it a service that you know, is, is in, in you know part part and parcel of of paying the TV license when it was available under rather less stringent con- conditions anywhere else. So it, it had to be tightened up. It had to be sort of squared away. It doesn't strike me as desperately surprising. And ultimately, if you stated that you didn't feel that the TV license was worth paying, why were you watching iPlayer? You know, if the BBC wasn't producing anything, you weren't presumably watching the logo. So you're either using the BBC to an extent or you aren't. I mean, as I say, I still have issues with the state-funded model long-term, but that's what it is at the moment. And the, the services are in, in essentially part and parcel of that. Yeah, I, I don't think it sits with uh, being able to make a choice um, these days, which is what people want. Um, they, mm. want they want the choice. If you want the BBC, pay for it. Um, if you don't want the BBC, then why should you be paying TV licence in 2016? It doesn't have really... That model doesn't really um, sit well with, with society and the way society is going at the minute, in my opinion. I think mm. it should should be a subscription service, the BBC. Um, if you want it, pay for it. If you don't want it, then don't pay for it and you, and you can't get it. Yeah... Yeah, but there's going to be an inevitable slide in quality if you go to being a pure, purely commercial service. I mean, look at look at Channel Five. That's the future, isn't it? Right. right. So, so people should get sent to prison because they can't afford 145 pounds. It's not a criminal offence anymore, is it? You don't get. Sent it to is still a criminal offence. Is it? Yes. Yep. It's still it's still the greatest. Re- it's still the most common reason why women isn't it? Women over fifty are sent to court. Is TV is is, is non payment of TV license the single greatest cause, mm-hmm. which is just ridiculous. It, um, it is in 2016. I mean, you know, it, the sh- it's nice that they're moving things on and things, and the government are threatening them to make changes, and and um, a lot of the changes are for the better of the service, in my opinion. But it's still at the same time, I mean, that's 145 quid. I hardly watch the BBC, so I feel like I'm paying paying out quite a bit of money for a service that. I really don't use. I so only watch the BBC, <laughs> pretty much. I, I'm somewhere in the middle of this. I mean, I just, I just think that it's, you know, I, I do think that um, canning uh, BBC Three as a, as a, a real channel was a good thing. I, I do think there's already been a, a small but discernible upswing in the quality of then what is happening on the remaining three channels. Well, I, mean, I, I, they, I don't know. BBC Four is just repeat after repeat after repeat after. It's stuff that's been out for, it's been shown at least five or six times in the last five or six years. To be I honest, thought, that's, yeah, that's not too much of an issue. For me. Well, I, I do, it's not something I spend a huge amount of time viewing, if I'm honest. Uh, it's one of those things, they, should, they have to concentrate on uh, doing... You know, focusing on us on a smaller remit of programming, and essentially they also we've had this conversation dozens of times. They need to monetize the vast back catalogue of stuff that they're sat on. That, yeah, that yeah. Instead huge. of just running it on BBC Four all the time. I mean, last night's get schedule on BBC Four it was all stuff that was shown from 2010 uh, about the moon and all the rest. Of it is you know you sit down and think, oh, that sounds interesting, and you think actually I've, sat, I've seen all this. In every program, apart from, I think there was one called Starman, which was a new documentary. So in Ooh, the space, so in, so in the space of eight hours uh, of programming, one hour was new content. The rest had been stuff that had been seen two or three times. 
uh, or run two or three times on a channel. And if you go to the channel on iPlayer, it's finding new content really difficult for BBC4. And that's a shame because two or three years ago, BBC4 was the channel that I would sit and watch BBC-wise. It was probably the only one, that and BBC2, because it had the really good documentaries, which I will sit and watch. I'm finding that the quality is not there anymore. Certainly with BBC4, it's like a forgotten uh, channel where it gets the odd bit of new content. I mean, Friday nights, it's all the repeated. It used to be really good because it was music night and it was yeah, different, it music, different music documentaries. And now they're all being reshown. So actually turning on the channel and looking through the guide and you're thinking, well, I've seen all of this. And then you go on iPlayer and it's, again, it's all stuff that's been broadcast in the last five years. It's getting really weak and they're still, but at the same time, you're still paying 145 quid a year. I know that, that covers radio and all the rest of it. But for someone who doesn't use the BBC a hell of a lot, I'd rather pay for the stuff that I watch when I watch it than pay 145 quid for everything. And I think I think the vast majority of the population would agree with that. Well, you know, we'll see we'll have to see what the the, the where, where it goes and and what happens. Uh, I mean obviously we've discussed this on a number of occasions and it, I think it, it's a very polarizing thing. I mean I I just find the concept of a state-funded broadcaster in 2016 to be marginally archaic. Um, and you know, people go on about, oh, yeah, but who, who will, who will, you know, um, justify, you know, specs vested in minority interests and so on and so forth. Ultimately, um, it's either a case that there is a, you know, there is a genuine requirement for these things, in which case, you know, the market generally sorts it, or there simply isn't, and you know, everything's being divided down and divided down, and actually, people just want to watch people cooking in a tent, as we've discovered. So. You know, I, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't think things can continue indefinitely in the manner that they are now, Did, which has taken us a long way from Android TV boxes, isn't it? Well, it's a nice, nice progression. Did you enjoy the uh, the video I sent you the other day on Facebook? I did. Um, I mean, I, I think it's a that's a very watchable concept. Actually, on that note, I'm not suggesting for a second this is what the BBC is actually going to do, but have you seen the rumours that the BBC intends to have its replacement? on screen before Channel 4 is in a position to actually show anything of what they've done with the Great British Bake Off. Yeah, well, they, they did that with Top Gear, didn't they? They brought that back before Claxon and co could put anything together. Well, this Channel 4 are trying to kind of twist the knife a bit, aren't they, in the fact that their, their first planned programme was supposed to be for charity. Mm. And so they're trying to say, well, come on, guys. You know, it's for charity. Let us air this one. You know, yeah. Well, yeah, it, well, it just shows you where where society's come. Where, where we're now battling over cake programs on the TV. Well, but that said, Phil, I mean, obviously, a, a conversation we had on Skype, um, I, and I did say, sneaky fiver here. There is increasing chat about them trying to wheel out Kirsty and Phil for presenting it, <laughs> the, the Channel 4 safe pair of hands. I mean, actually, to be honest, Kirsty Allsop is a perfect fit for the Great British Bake Off, but we shall see what comes of yeah, that. Yeah, she'll just get bigger and bigger every week, though, won't she? Oh, you behave. <laughs> we can't have this brutalist misogyny or whatever we're doing these days. This is all bad. Is it but, true Paul Hollywood's gone for the money? Is he, is he going to jump ship? Yeah, he's, he's going. Yeah, of course he's he has. He's such an old tart, isn't he? <laughs> Go anywhere for a few quid. Yeah, it did, yeah, and we're we're assuming that um, you know uh, Mel and Sue and uh, Mary um, decided to quit. It could be that there was no openings for them. It's possible, but if you were spending out that money, you'd probably want to try and get the thing wholesale, wouldn't you? Uh, I mean, it's my gut feeling on that. I, I don't get me wrong. Hollywood in a tent. That's what they've got. Well, it's not <laughs> uh, to be honest. And a title. Yeah. It, my, my, Kirsty, my wife pointed this out. Actually, when you think about how many people have been working in the background for do been doing Channel Four food shows, they have got a vast array of. They don't have to worry about, in many ways, replacing Mary Berry. I mean, I for one would pay. I, I, you know, I if Channel Four suddenly did did a premium service, if they got Hugh Fernley Whittingstall as the other baking judge, it's like, well, you're not using enough rook. Or you know whatever whatever curious ingredient he's decided that would be ace. Um, and what and the lady that won it last year, that Nadia lady, she has said that she'd be quite content to judge it. So her and Hollywood as judges that would work quite nicely. I, I still prefer the, uh, the the Great British Piss Up. Well, that, that I, I mean, it would need. It I would, would need watch a, that a, a you know. post watershed slot. 
but yes. Be a bit like um, drunk bakers in Viz. <laughs> Sponsored by Ace Eight. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, what another? Actually, I have to give a hat tip to my brother for this, but he he quite liked the idea of um, actually do combining the Krypton factor and our love of cooking shows. So you end up with Britain's all-round best amateur do everything in the kitchen. So, or not just in the kitchen. So you've got baking week, you've got dinner party week, you've got barbecue week, and it just goes, you have to be able to do all the different disciplines. Uh, and I just get an, an assault course in there, obviously, just, just because that was the best bit of the Krypton factor. And yeah, you're laughing. That could work really well. I've stunned you into silence. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just trying to think of a segue out of this. <laughs> Get out of that, son. You could watch this on your Cody box. <laughs> free. Yeah, that, yeah, that was two subjects ago. We've been to the BBC and back on that one. Uh, right, let's move things on. Um, let's quickly go to audio because this is a quick story. Spotify and talks to acquire uh, SoundCloud. Now, SoundCloud's an interesting concept there because a lot of fingers being pointed at SoundCloud as well because uh, in terms of piracy because it has been used that way in the past. Correct. Um, SoundCloud, unusually for a number of these streaming services, uh, offered the, pr the principle to stick stuff on there in very, very high quality. So, yes, it became a sort of go-to location for people that weren't necessarily happy with torrenting. But that rather overlooks what the other really strong area that SoundCloud has um, and that why it would be of interest to Spotify. Well, there's two reasons why it would be of interest to Spotify. The first is next year, Spotify actually goes public with a share offering. And the smaller number of competitors on the market, the better that's going to go. So if you get rid of one of the competitors, hooray, that's that's all, all good. That's the cynical bit. The more optimistic bit is that um, for all this talk of artist engagement, that both um, Tidal and Apple Music have been hammering on about for, for over a year now. If you have a look at how artists communicate material with their sort of loyal following, a huge amount of the time that's on SoundCloud. Um, it really is a, I, you know, we did this in the studio today, have a listen, or we've remixed this, have a listen. And... If Spotify was able to tap into that, that's actually a more genuine direct contact point to the artist than anything more manufactured in the, you know, than, you know, someone sticking up a, a blog bit in the Apple Music section, which has sort of died on its arse anyway. There is an element that it gets people you know communicating with artists. It also brings new artists to the attention of people in a very, very effective way. And if again, if that becomes part of Spotify's offering, that can on, only be beneficial for them. Um, there are some stumbling blocks. I haven't checked this morning if any anything has been done overnight. It was still in talks at the, uh, at yesterday, Thursday. So we'll be interested to see where we are by Monday. There are some stumbling blocks. As you say, piracy is part of it, and it's a bit sort of of a free-for-all open access thing to be desperately well controlled but that's that's all by the by there i think it's a very solid it would be a very solid acquisition for for spotify i think it would be a very a very interesting interesting option so i uh, you know i i i think it makes a lot of sense and i think it could be to the benefit unusually for takeovers of, of this nature i think it could be of you know, of the of benefit to both bits of of, of the of the of the proposed merger. So I'm I'm guardedly optimistic, and I think it could make make a big difference. Okay, thanks for that, Ed. We'll keep an eye on that one as things progress. Let's go to Mark. Uh, let's talk about some gaming uh, with HDR. Mark, is that is that it? Just general HDR. Uh, yeah, well, that's that's what it says. On I'm just reading from my uh, my prompt sheet here. It just says latest developments in HDR. So I thought I would tart it up a bit. Okay, dokes. Um, well, current state of HDR is um, it's it's a bit of a mixed bag at the moment. There will be a lot of people out there wondering about whether it's time to buy um, 4K sets with HDR. Um, 
With regards to the PlayStation 4, there was a system update in mid-September 4.00, which brought HDR compatibility to all PlayStation 4s. So that's not just the, the slim model that was just launched, but also the original, uh, the kind of vanilla PlayStation 4, if you will. Um, it's very simple, just it's in the, the video output setting, so you'll see a little checkbox, it's off by default. Um, minor problem at the moment is that there is there seems to be no content for it. Um, it seems to have been one of those decisions that's, I don't know, either it's it's come in in reply to the Xbox One S having the Ultra HD Blu-ray drive and seeming more like a, a fully-fledged system for um, 4K and HDR content because there's, uh, I, I don't even think you can play media on it at the moment. Um, the problem being that, say, because it's not um, 4K compatible, you're, you're basically looking for some kind of HDR content that isn't tied to 4K material, which it seems like Netflix has no plans to separate it and that it defaults to 1080p content. So in essence, you've got kind of compatibility for something that you're yet to really see the benefits of. Um, so perhaps slight oversight, but then, you know, perhaps we might see... Um, Around mid-November, when the PlayStation 4 Pro comes out, we, we there's talk of new apps coming out for that. So maybe there might be content that is split. We don't know. Um, with regards games, again, everything seems to be geared from Sony's point of view for when the PlayStation 4 Pro um, comes out. So November 10th, that's when you'll be seeing uh, the patches for games that are already released and starting towards the release schedule of titles that will be uh, 4k and hdr with regards to the xbox one or xbox one s i should say um things look a little bit rosier you've got forza horizon 3 that's out now um gears of war 4 will be out october 11th and oh uh, nba 2k17 was in fact the first i believe um title to support hdr um also possibly might get a patch on the playstation 4 um Battlefield 1 getting HDR as well. So there are a reasonable amount of titles starting to come out. And in the future for Sony, um, Horizon Zero Dawn, and that'll be the kind of main graphics showcase for them. Um, and The Witness, which was a title I, I mentioned, just came out on Xbox One a couple of weeks ago. The creator of that, Jonathan Blow, has said that he's planning to to patch that. And in fact, he, he sounded quite surprised Um that all PlayStation 4s were getting HDR compatibility. So it seems like it's something that's taken people by surprise slightly, but he is in fact planning, I believe, to, to do a, a separate HDR patch. So those still looking at 1080p content might be able to get some of the kind of HDR goodness. Other than that, early early days, it's, it's still very much... Um, we see that's one thing I didn't understand or, or don't understand is how the, all the PS4s are going to get HDR yet. They're trying to use it as a upsell for for their latest console. It doesn't really make much sense. You would have thought they would hold back on backwards compatibility until they'd sold um, a few of these new new consoles. Well, yeah, it, it's a it's a bit of a strange one in the sense, say it's it's not the proper kind of 4K box which will be the PlayStation 4 Pro. Um, it. it the the slim I, I think you're seeing just this weekend loads of deals on the the vanilla PlayStation 4 down to 150 pounds all over the place with games so there's there's I think they're going to be flying off shelves and they just won't be around fairly soon so it will simply be kind of kind of Christmas time beyond I think you'll just be looking at the choice between the slim and the PlayStation 4 Pro and with one obviously being seen as the the 4K box. Um, so I think that's the plan going forwards. 150 quid. Yeah, yeah. There are some absolutely fantastic deals. If people, if if anyone's in the market for a PlayStation 4 and it's kind of they haven't noticed on any deals websites or anything like that, have a quick look at some of the things. I think some of them even come with the uh, the latest FIFA, which is you know that's a quick sell if you don't want that, and then you're looking at a, a PlayStation 4 for not much past the hundred pound mark. Um, and bear in mind the the original uh, launch PlayStation 4 had optical out, which the Slim doesn't have, um, which comes in very handy. So yeah, I think fantastic deals on that. I might even buy one. <laughs> no, at that, at, at that <laughs> price. 
without getting as much use as your um, Sydney um, Odeon loyalty card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be a competition to see which was used the, the, the most, wouldn't it, really? Yeah. I don't know why I'm laughing. My PS4 sitting behind me right now. It's not even plugged in. And how much did you pay for that? Oh, I bought it when it came out. So Actually, yeah. I, that's not true. Cause I, had, I realized I had a bunch of Argos credit points from my um, gas electricity account, which I didn't know about. So I think about 150 quid. So I put that against the PS4. So I think I paid. What was it when it launched, Mark? 249 or something like that, was it? Uh, 349. Is it? No, I dropped 200 quid then. I've <laughs> <laughs> got two games. Yeah, I bought No Man's Sky and I'm really bored at the moment. Just, I can get just think how many UHD Blu-rays that, that equates to, Steve, that you've, <laughs> that you've squandered there. You could have been buying discs with. But back to HDR, now's perhaps not the time uh, unless you're really into one of these games um, simply because I think there are going to be early teething problems and very much with the kind of convergence between technology but with the TVs, with the displays, and what the consoles are outputting, it seems like Forza Horizon 3 perhaps is is symbolic of this in the, the fact that the reviews were outstanding for the HDR effect and very much made it sound like it was, you know, night and day. It seems like consumer reviews are a touch more mixed. Um, a lot of people seem to be complaining about an image that looks washed out, um, it, it's unclear whether some people's TVs, perhaps when they're turning on HDR, is changing the the settings and things like that. It, yeah, it seems very much a, like welcome to a whole world of pain, people. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and so people are having to monkey about with with the brightness, with the contrast, and things like this. And so it seems very much like um, yeah, in the early days, we're going to have a lot of these teething difficulties with people unsure just how the HDR works on their TVs and just what they do have to do to get the best out of it. I mean, it's, it's going to be a big thing at CES this year, I think, uh, HD, HDR in general, um, moving forward, and uh, obviously the game inside. So we'll see who draws the short straw to go and cover the, the game inside of things when it comes to CES between the three of us. <laughs> Ed. <laughs> Sorry, I was muted because I had to type something, and I know that Phil gets very angry if you can hear me typing. So, uh, no, no, we'll, yeah, we'll... we'll will be there actually do you know what one of the things i was typing is me trying to organize a uh, a get together with uh, one of the manufacturers at ces to uh, to to do my fat bloke video rig routine so we'll <laughs> see how we go anyway thanks for that mark uh, that's the latest developments when it comes to hdr gaming uh we're going to end on hisense uh launching two new tvs and steve's already got one in for review interesting looking at the hisense side of things because they came to market with uh was it the 910 was that the, the top of the line yeah well? lost, um, that lost and it lost, was it was over two thousand pounds wasn't it mm, um, yeah they're now coming to market at 900 pounds with the same technologies and um hdr tvs so quite a drop in terms of price well, for the brand the 910 was a full array backlight tv this is not um but and two but two thousand pounds was still a stonkingly cheap price point at the time considering the competition the announcement, um, and it's not strictly a new TV because there have been smaller screen sizes already available, um, but they've announced what they call two new models. But as far as I can work out, they're exactly the same TV with slightly different bezels. Um, there's the 5500 5, and the 5510, and 65 inch screen sizes on both of them. And officially, they've announced the price at 899, but you can buy the 55, uh, the 65 inch 5510, sorry, 5500 on uh, Amazon for £799. Now, that in itself is a staggeringly low price point for a 65-inch Ultra HD 4K TV with HDR. That's you know amazing, um, and I have to say, uh, going into the review, I was like, oh, you know, that's that's an impressive price point. But is there going to be any catches? And overall, it's actually a pretty good TV. Um, one of the areas where Hisense have made some real improvements, I have to say, is in terms of color accuracy. Now, that was one of my big bugbears with the 910. Um, it was a hugely oversaturated color space and they couldn't keep it controlled. So Rec 709 was nowhere near accurate. Um, they've um, Well, one of the things on this TV is the color space is a lot smaller. So it's easy for them to control it. But I have to say, for Rec 709 content, for standard dynamic range content, uh, the grayscale, gamma, and uh, color accuracy were excellent. Um, uh, pretty good out of the box, not a little bit of calibration. Really, really good. So that was impressive. Top marks to Hisense for improving that area of their performance. Um, the actual 4K panel, um, the uh, upscaling, very good. Um, 4K content looked great. Uh, it's got one major drawback, 
um, and basically stops it from getting what would be a shoe in for a Best Buy badge, basically at that price point. And that's the backlight uniformity is is not good. Uh, very a lot of clouding. I mean, noticeable clouding even during the day. And that's a real shame because if it had a better because it's black level performance, VA panel is delivering 0.02 nits. Um, uh, you know, measuring a, um, a black screen. That's really good. Um, the contrast ratio and anti ratio performance are really good. It's just got a really cloudy backlight. And if they could sort that out, this TV would be stonkingly good value for uh, at that price point. I mean, it really reminds me of a couple of years ago with some of the other manufacturers where they were first introducing edge lighting and they were having they were struggling to get the uniform backlights. And this has got that kind of issue. You know, it is very patchy. Uh, and that's the one real downside. The other issue I've got with it is uh, its HDR performance, because in reality, although it's, it does accept HDR, you know, it's got HDMI 2.0A, uh, and you will get some of the benefits. The color space, as I said, is is, is not much wider than um, the Rec 709, which means it's good for Rec 709 content, but it's only 55% of Rec 2020, so it's not that big a color space. It doesn't track too badly against DCI-P3 within the limitations of its actual native color space, but it isn't that big. Uh, and in terms of actual high dynamic range, well, to get anything that isn't getting clipped to death, you've got to bring the contrast control right down um, um, to stop it from clipping. And, and really, it wasn't now putting, I mean, I was measuring it at like 140 nits on a 10% on a window. So in fact, to, to call it HDR is not true. Uh, you know, it's got some of the benefits of 4K, but it's not delivering those peak brightnesses that you expect from HDR at all um, in any kind of you know accurate image, uh, which is a shame. But having said all that, 799 quid for a 65-inch 4K TV is still a bloody good price. And backlight uniformity can be a bit of a lottery. This was a brand new sample they sent me. They obviously weren't cherry picking. Um, and you know, it might be that you can get a better one with a better, more even light. If it had an even backlight, I think it's pretty bloody obvious the one to cherry picking. If that, the yeah, one you've got yeah. is bad as it is. If, if they had a better backlight, this would be, uh, as I said, an absolute shoe in for a Best Buy badge. You'd think, well, come on. I mean, even the HDR performance isn't amazing. You're still getting loads of other stuff and a nice picture. Well, I mean, the, the thing is, 99% of the material you're watching is Rec. 709 D65 HD yeah. material um, or, or SD. So, yeah, if the backlight was better, the 4K TV, is this, I'm assuming that the scaling is done properly because it's pretty easy to upscale HD to, yeah. to yeah, the that's 4K not, There's panel. no issues there at all, and it, and it delivers a very nice picture. Um, as I said, if it had a more even backlight, because, I mean, it is quite noticeable even in the daytime and even on, not necessarily, obviously on a black screen, it's very noticeable. You can mitigate it to a degree. Bringing down the brightness control, setting it up correctly will help. Uh, a bit of bias lighting at night will help. But it's still very noticeable, and it's the one. If it just had a, a more even backlight, I'd be giving it a Best Buy badge. I have, you know, no questions asked because seven hundred and ninety nine quid is crazy. And it's not like it's bad. It's solidly made. It weighs a ton. It's really well built. Um, you know, I like the remote control. I like the platform they got. It's simple, but it does the job, and it gives you the main things like you know Amazon and Netflix in four K and YouTube and BBC iPlayer. Everything you want's there. Um, it's got uh, uh, plenty of connections. You know, there's lots and lots and lots of things about this I really like. Lots of little features they put in, like with the menu system, when it remembers the most recent things you've been in. So it's really handy for getting back quickly into things when you're calibrating. A little touch like that I really like. Lots and lots about this TV that I love. If it just had a more even backlight, you know, it would be getting best by badge, no questions So asked. it's a bit of an uneven performance from that sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but I'm glad to see that in some respects they have, you know, certainly colour accuracy, massive improvement on last year. So that's really good to see they're heading in the right direction. That sense, the calibration controls work well. That um, The grayscale, excellent. Um, you know, it's it's not perfect, but I, it, they are definitely heading in the right direction. And it's just this one thing, really, that's holding it back now, which is a shame. Okay. Uh, so the review will be up uh, by the time this podcast is, is up, or maybe a few days after the podcast, actually. Exactly. Thinking about what's queued up at the moment, in terms of reviews, we've got quite a few TVs coming. So probably later uh, this week if you're listening on Monday. Um, so we're going to move things on. That is hardware uh, for this week. And we're moving news next. Right, Steve, uh, film's opening uh, this Friday that I'm not going to go and use my unlimited card for. <laughs> well, actually... Uh I think I will go and see this because I, I quite like the trailer. It looked interesting. It stars Emily Blunt, who I'd go and see just about anything. And uh, it's The Girl on the Train, based upon best-selling book. Um, uh, th a sort of a thriller, mystery, very similar, I think. I haven't, obviously, I haven't only seen the trailer so far, but it's got a real Girl Gone vibe to it. And gone Girl, even? Uh, hey, sorry, no. <laughs> it's got a real Gone Girl vibe to it. Um, 
and despite the fact that they've got girl in the in the title um and yeah it looks interesting in the trailers and you know i like a good sort of thriller mystery and uh so i think i will go and see this uh when it opens and as i say it stars emily blunt um who's always very good i think and uh yeah so that's that's what's opening this friday there's a couple of other films opening smaller scale there's one called blood father which is a, a thriller starring mel gibson who seems to be making a lot of films in mexico these days maybe he can't get any work in hollywood so yeah, uh, Girl on the Train opens on Friday. Um, if you're interested in thrillers or mysteries or Emily Blunt, <laughs> go and see it. Who? 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 Emily Blunt. Ah, oh, Emily Ed? Blunt. Emily yeah, Blunt. Yeah. No, no question. <laughs> Still want her to be my my satnav voice. <laughs> okay, let's not go there. Uh, Blu-ray is released this week, Steve. For those yeah, quite still a few buying this them. week. We've got Money Monster, which was the film directed by Jodie Foster, starring uh, George Clooney and um, Julie Roberts which I've got to say looked very good in the trailers, had quite good reviews. So that's coming out this week. And we also got The Martian, the extended cut. So this has really got a slightly longer version. I have seen the extended cut. It's, it's not massively different. There's a few little beats here and there and character beats added, but it's basically the same film. And that's also getting an Ultra HD Blu-ray release uh, this week as well in the UK. It's already been out in the States for a few months now. Also, Alice with the Looking Glass, the sequel to Alice in Wonderland, uh, which did disaster at the box office, it has to be said, compared to the previous film. Um, that's out on Blu-ray. We've got Daredevil Season 1. That's a Netflix series, so you might have already seen it on Netflix. That's coming out on Blu-ray. Season two is already on Netflix as well, and its timing, I guess, is to time with the fact that Luke Cage, the new Marvel Netflix series, uh, started last Friday. And then we've also got Star Wars Rebels Season 2. Uh, if you haven't seen Rebels, I highly recommend it. I've already watched Season 2. It's excellent, really, really enjoyable, great Star Wars vibe, really nails the kind of the fun and excitement of Star Wars. It's set a couple of years before A New Hope, and um, it's well worth checking out if you haven't seen it. This season particularly ties in with Clone Wars. So uh, if you haven't seen Clone Wars, I'd really recommend catching up on that first because then it, it makes it more rewarding. Although you can still enjoy it if you haven't seen Clone Wars. And also Clone Wars is really good. So check that out too. Um, but yeah, Star Wars Rebels Season 2 would be probably of that lot um, my pick of, the, pick of the week. Still haven't watched Season 1 yet. Disc still sitting where, where it was when it came through the post. <laughs> Oh no! Come on, be fair. I've I've had some UHD mm. stuff to be going through this week as well as, as yeah. other bits and pieces. So, uh, anyway, talking about UHD, anything worth picking up for the, those rich enough amongst us to be able to afford them? Um, the, well, there's been a, one new announcement. Um, this is again US, but it's uh, Sony, so almost certainly get a UK release as well. Um, and it's coming out on the eighth of November, and it's Sausage Party. That's coming out on Ultra HD Blu-ray. Um, in terms of releases this week, so this week in the States, again, um, we've got um, Warners who are bringing out The Great Gatsby, Pacific Rim, and Jupiter Ascending. Um, so uh, if, if that's something that's of interest to you. <laughs> nope. Then, nope. None of those. Unless you're giving them away as freebies. Nope, not interested. Uh, okay. Pacific Rim, I, I, I think would look pretty great. Uh, because that was a very, you know, that looks stunning and sounded stunning as well. So getting a Dolby Atmos soundtrack for that would be cool. Steve, you're just you're just talking yourself into buying these. Just enabling myself, aren't I? Right. Okay. Uh, so that's a UHD Blu-ray stuff. So Star Wars news. Um, this one's got me a bit confused. Uh, not only is Yoda rumored to appear in Episode Eight, how uh, Force Ghost? Force Ghost, or possibly a, a Force Dream flashback. Right. Is the rumor. Okay. Uh, but it looks like. Uh, they'll be using a puppet. Good. They, they should have done that in the original uh, prequel stuff. Oh, I well, mean, they did, they did use a puppet. But you see, the thing is, right, he's it, supposed to be 900-year-old, right? Yeah. So it, it would look exactly the same as he did in Empire because there was only 60 years between those films, was it? Or was it less oh, than that? that? No, it was no, just it's 20, 40 years. 40 years difference. 40 years yeah, difference. Yeah. So if he's 900-year-old, he's not going to look any different to what he does in Empire than what he would have in, in the prequels. So why did they change it? Why did they make him look so much younger? It wasn't no, well, he had, he had been living in a damp jungle. I mean, that's going to play havoc with your joints. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that's it. That's what it is. You know, we, we, we all see those adverts on television that the cold and damp for the elderly is just appalling. So. Is, is that what's happening in Milton Keynes at the minute then, is it, Ed? No, no, no. We, we, we don't actually have any old people here because we're such a new place. <laughs> uh, and actually, the ones that we do, we've constructed what is basically, it's a giant necropolis. It's a sort of old people's home on steroids. So you can go in and you can live autonomously in a flat, but they come and scrape you up if you die unexpectedly. And you can proceed all the way through to needing 24-hour constant care in the same space so it's the it's, rest of milton Keynes like logan's run then 
Yeah. <laughs> Basically. It's ruled by cows. Concrete cows. Why do you think we have the grid? It's actually, you know, if you if you try and escape it, it uh, you know, it, it allows for it to be hunted down very easily. I'll put my hands Are up to sound, I'll put man. my hands up to this one. Yeah. Trying to escape the grid, trying to get out of Milton Keynes. It's easy. That, that is difficult. When I was a kid, I wanted nothing more than to be a sandman and hunt down runners and a brilliant job. Now you're very old. That well, obviously, when I was 10, being killed at 30 sounded like a good deal. Now, once I hit 30, not so much of a good deal. <laughs> now that I'm nearly 50, definitely not a good deal. Anyway, getting back to um, what we're talking about. So it's good to see uh, they're going to use a puppet. And Disney announced a third Star Wars story for 2020. What does that mean, Steve? Well, a rumor, uh, details are very thin on the ground. All they did is they've announced they're going to release a third Star Wars story. So they've already, obviously, they've already got Rogue One coming out at Christmas. Uh, 2018. 2018 is going to be the, the Han Solo, a Star Wars story. And then there's going to be another one after episode nine in 2020. But they haven't announced what is it going to involve or anything like that yet. Um, so that's a bit of a mystery, but they just announced they are working on it and it will be coming out that year. So basically what that means is we've got a Star Wars related film um, every Christmas between now and 2020. So be careful what you wish for. So talking about Disney and milk and things, Steve, uh, the latest trend seems to be turning their animated classics into live action versions. It is. And it has been quite successful, it has to be said. They, they started off, they did uh, a live action version of Cinderella that was very well received and did very well, directed by Kenneth Branagh. Uh, John Favreau's Just Made the Jungle Book as a live action film. Well, I say live action, I mean the kids live action and everything else was animated. But that was absolutely stunning. Pure eye candy and really good film. I really, really enjoyed that. If you haven't seen it or got it, I highly recommend you get the how do you, How absolutely... do you describe that one? Is, is that like live blue screen? Yeah. Is that, yeah that's I mean, basically what it is, isn't it? But yeah, no, it's the kid on the blue screen screen almost entirely um, with small bits of set and that sort of stuff built uh, and everything else is CG, everything else is CG and it is totally photorealistic. So, uh, is, it, so, is, it, so is it still live action then? Well, um, it has it, a real person. There is a, 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 there is a live action element within it. Um, well, now, you, you look given at that the... there's no kid in The Lion King, presumably that would be entirely CG. So that's not really a live action version, is it? It's just a misleading I'm glad, I'm glad you eventually. Part. I'm glad you eventually got my point of view there. <laughs> You're calling it live action, but actually it's just a CGI fest, really. Because yeah, they're yeah. not people in suits, is it? So, Photo real CGI, I guess, is the way he's going to be going for The Lion King. Um, although they are remaking, uh, currently they just finished remaking, uh, or doing a live action version of Beauty and the Beast, which obviously... Um, that does involve real people. And so, what, so what are they going what, to do for uh, bed knobs and broomsticks and Mary Poppins? Is it going to be that the live action bits are now animated? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with, um, dancing penguins for real. Yeah, so you've got real dancing penguins with animated... Uh, yeah. They, aren't they, actually, they are making a sequel to Mary Poppins, aren't they, with Emily Blunt thinking about it. Um, yeah. Oh, that's awkward. Might be Mary Poppins on Mars or something like that. <laughs> it's got a strange title, but... Uh, Apparently they are working on a, on a Mary Poppins sequel. And um, they've also, there's rumours, well, not rumours, but they are planning to do a uh, live-action version of The Little Mermaid as well. So, yes, they are going to milk this one for all it's worth, along with Star Wars and Marvel and Pixar. <laughs> Wish I bought shares in Disney. I was just thinking that. <laughs> back back in the 80s when they were really struggling. Well, yeah, when they were really struggling. When the they 80s. were releasing shit like The Fox and the Hound and all that yeah, kind of all thing. All their money was... came from um, the theme parks. <laughs> And they'd sacked all the animators, like Tim Burton and, and um, you know, the guys that set up Pixar got the boot. There's a great uh, documentary on, on the Iron Giant, the Brad Bird film, about Brad Bird's experiences at Disney, uh, you know, because he also got sacked <laughs> from Disney in the 80s. And, um, yeah, they kicked out all these animators and stuff, and um, and they were really struggling. Uh, so, yeah, you could have bought their shares for Tuppence Hapney back then. Now they must be worth a tonne. Yeah. yeah well, hindsight's a great thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, Pixar as well. That was one of the ones that George Lucas yep. let, let get away, didn't it? I mean, he, he didn't he, see that coming, did he? Well, he, he had, that's, that's not strictly true. He set up Pixar because um, he saw that CGI was the future. The problem was he needed to invest that in particular interest because he needed cash for his divorce. So that's why he sold Pixar to Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs was the one that really, really saw the potential there because he's the one that personally, with his own money, financed Toy Story. Um, um, yeah, I mean, that's why Apple's no longer the company it is, I suspect, because <laughs> they haven't got a visionary running it anymore. Uh, they'll still milk the, milk the sheep, though, they go and buy a new iPhone. I think they're doing okay, like, financially. Like, like, like you, Steve. You bought your, I'm your iPhone? My, I, I'm wearing my Apple Watch Series 1. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I love it. It's great. 
I, um, yeah, it's an it's a it's an interesting toy. Yeah, yeah, it's a pure gimmick toy. I mean, but yeah, whatever. You have to charge it every half hour, do you know? Oh, uh, that's the big yeah. You got to charge it every night. Battery only lasts a day, which is kind of annoying because it would be useful if I could use it to monitor my sleep patterns. So what happens in the middle of the night when you need to find out what the time is? Yeah, I use my clock radio by my bed. Well, you could charge it by the bed and just tap it, you know, and see what time it is. Well, it just as I say, it, it was one of those moments where I just looked at it, I thought, I don't see how my life is going to be improved by this. And I stand by, it's just one of those things that says, I am now the sort of person that will never be more than 24 hours from a main socket ever again. I mean, to be honest, most of us won't be for the most part, but it just it's a very definite statement of... I now exist in a very, very, you know, first world domesticated sort of existence. I'm assuming you can still talk to Siri through your watch, Steve. You can indeed, yes. You can talk to Siri through your watch. Obviously, it tells you when you get text messages or phone calls, which is very handy. And it's got a fitness thing. So it tells you, every now and then it taps me on the wrist and says, get up your fat bastard and move around a bit. <laughs> yeah, which is why I'm not going to buy one. <laughs> I have yet to achieve my, my, my um, exercise target for the day. <laughs> Yeah, at least the autumn's here now, so I can stop worrying about my beach body now, you know. Don't have to worry about it. Yeah. You too, Ed? Well, I, I I don't know. I mean, as I say, this this not drinking business leads to surprising weight loss. But, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, 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 would, I, I am reticent about beaches. I, I tend to find that that, that, um, that that harpoons get sort of fired at me. So I'm, uh, <laughs> Japanese ships start circling. Yeah, I, need, I need to be careful. <laughs> Smartwatches, I'm sure that there will come a... A moment. I don't know whether if they can start, you know, powering it off the heat you generate or something like that. And if that that becomes the case, and it just becomes a more a more, you know, it can be treated much more like a normal watch. Yeah, then uh, then there's some interesting possibilities there. But for the moment, it just yeah, it's just a toy. I, st- I stopped. Uh, I stopped wearing a watch when I got my first mobile phone because I had a clock on it, and and I'm still that way got my pocket and pick up my mobile if I want I need to know what the time is. That's why they invented the watch, isn't it, basically, for people that are too lazy to get the phone out of their pocket. Uh, and do you mean their pocket the... watch out there? <laughs> <laughs> well, the little chain would be nice, wouldn't it? Okay. Um, as we say, this has been recorded on a Friday, which is the last day of the month, and I think I can say, without any doubt, um, I didn't get to the cinema this month. <laughs> Nice. Have you noticed, though, that with a whole day remaining on the schedule, I've actually uploaded everything and, and yeah, moved, my, moved my cart across on Trello? Like like I said, um, that's obviously a sign of you not drinking because it works there and it's all correct. Oh, behave. <laughs> um, right, so obviously you're listening to this uh, beginning of October. Um, it is the beginning of a new month. So what are the highlights uh, for the new month before we all disappear? And... Um, what do we have coming TV-wise, Steve? TV-wise, we have the uh, LG 55-inch B6, which is the flat-screen, non-3D, entry-level OLED TV for this year. Uh, the only OLED we haven't seen so far. We've already seen the C6, E6, and G6, so it's the last one of the OLEDs. Uh, we've got that in for review, which I'm quite excited about. And then after that, we've also got the Philips 65-inch PUS 7601, which is their uh, their basically pretty much their flagship TV in terms of um, it's got a full array local dimming system, you know, full array backlight, 150 odd zones. It's essentially, the, remember, if you remember last year, they were going to release the 9000. Uh, it looked really good, didn't it, in demos and everything. Phil never actually came out, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, this is essentially that, that TV slightly stripped out, but basically that TV in terms of the tech inside. So quite excited about that. Quite interesting to see how that performs. Um, and, you know, obviously, it also supports HDR. Uh, so that, that's coming up. And then um, what else have we got coming up? I, well, I personally have also have um, um, the Yamaha uh, A1060 AV receiver, uh, which will be due in October. Plus, uh, hopefully we'll be getting a look at the, a first look at the, um, the brand new Oppo UDP203, which should be out late October, I believe. But I, don't hold me to that, but um, that should be coming out towards the end of October. Okay. Uh, my highlight for October is probably going to be on the 11th when I get to go and see the big JVC projector um, really close up and personal, uh, mm-hmm. pro- proper demonstration. Um, and there should be some of the JVC experts there as well, which we will get interviews and, and that kind of thing on camera. And uh, looking forward to that because it's at Mercedes World as well, so I might get the opportunity to drive some cars. 
So looking forward mm. to that. Looking forward to that one. Uh, in terms of review kit, uh, we've got the Denon 3300 AVR. We've also got the Yamaha uh, 3060 because I've got the 3050 here. I'll need to speak to Ed about uh, what the changes are because Ed, you had your fingers in this one in terms of uh, how it was going to be tuned. Yes, um, I still need to check to exact. Uh, uh, there are a number of things that have been done to it. Some of them, as I say, one of them is is sufficiently different to what other manufacturers have been doing. I don't know if Yamaha is still willing to let it slip, but uh, I'll check and see what they want to say. Okay. Uh, so we've got that coming as well, and um, I think that's about it for October for me so far anyway, but the projector's starting to line up as well. So um, hopefully we might, by the end of the month, have the Sony uh, 4K. Ooh. We might. I don't know. No promises. Uh, Ed, what you got coming? Uh, right. Well, having been a bit... Um derogatory is the wrong word having gently ribbed the stelgis amplifier for claiming it's a valve amplifier when it has one valve which is sort of there to sort of tune the sound a bit we actually have a valve amplifier going through this month and it's not just any valve amplifier because it's made by quad who have something of a track record in this regard so um that's going through I don't want to spoil all the surprises. Suffice to say, it's a very 21st century valve amplifier as well. So it's not simply a trip down memory lane. It's not, you know, something that your granddad would be interested in. It does a lot of very interesting things. Um, we've got speakers from Wharfdale. We haven't done a Wharfdale speaker. If I don't think we've ever done one. If we have, it was been a long time ago. So we're having a look at the Wharfdale Reaver, um, which is in, it's actually sat in front of me at the moment. And, uh, there's there's it's it's putting in some putting in some positive positive showings uh we've got some q acoustics product and um then actually the fourth slot of the month it's it's sort of a race between a couple of different manufacturers i mean obviously it's not the end of the world whoever doesn't win the race for october it sort of goes into november but it might be a record player it might be um a pretty fearsome amplifier or it might be a very deluxe pair of loudspeakers indeed uh more will be revealed as as it sort of goes in through into october as to who who, who just delivers on the goods first basically and uh what are you doing with your life mark in october 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 for me in gaming terms is going to be uh i think around the 10th mafia 3 is coming out so decent open world crime kind of game and then later on is battlefield one and i'm completely terrible at competitive online shooters but this is one i might actually be slightly less terrible at Okay, cool. And uh, that wraps up the Reforms podcast for this week. My thanks to Steve Withers. I'm so much happier now that I'm dead. Ed Selly. Come home, Amy. I dare you. And Mark Botwright. We're so cute, I want to punch us in the face. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmark AV Forums for latest reviews, news and video. And of course, leave us those five-star ratings on iTunes, um, but only if you enjoyed the show. Uh, I'm Phil Hinton. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you again next week. Oh.